0: This program is presented by Birch Gold Group, the precious metal IRA specialists.
1: Good morning, in today's headlines, a mysterious laptop business dealings in Ukraine and the 2020 election. We take a look at the first installment of the so-called Twitter files released on Friday.
2: The New York Times is finding itself in a bit of a predicament. Over 1,000 union members are threatening to walk out this week. Find out why.
1: A new vaccine with breakthrough potential in the fight against fentanyl. Texas Governor Greg Abbott says it could help save thousands of lives in Texas alone.
2: Over the weekend, almost a dozen cities around the world came together to stand in solidarity with protesters in China. We have more on the events. Good morning. Welcome to NTD. I'm Kevin Hogan.
1: Good morning. I'm Evelyn Lee. Today's December 5th. Happy Monday, everyone. We're kicking off the program with some Twitter updates. Its new CEO, Elon Musk, and journalist Matt Taibbi on Friday unveiled the so-called Twitter files. The documents show the workings behind Twitter executives suppressing the New York Post's Hunter Biden laptop story. And what's noteworthy is that this was in the weeks leading up to the 2020 presidential election. NTD's Daniel Monaghan has the story.
3: On October 14, 2020, the New York Post published the Biden secret email story. According to the emails, Hunter Biden introduced his father, vice president at the time, to a top executive at a Ukrainian energy firm. Less than a year later, Biden allegedly pressured government officials in Ukraine to fire a prosecutor who was investigating that company. The meeting is mentioned in a thank you message reportedly sent by Burisma Energy Firm Board advisor Vadim Pozharsky to Hunter Biden. This about a year after Hunter joined the Burisma Board at a salary of up to $50,000 a month. Other material from the laptop includes a video that appears to show Hunter smoking crack cocaine and sexually explicit images and video. Taibbi published the so-called Twitter files in a thread on his Twitter account. The tweets contained communications among Twitter employees on how to excuse their decision to censor the Hunter Biden report. One email dated October 24, 2020, appears to show a Twitter executive sharing a list of five tweets allegedly identified by people from the Biden campaign. Taibbi wrote, by 2020, requests from connected parties to delete tweets were routine. One executive would write to another, more to review from the Biden team, the reply would come back, handled... Internet entrepreneur Kim.com asked Elon Musk about the matter in a live Twitter space chat.
4: One uh, file that was released, it was even uh, called the Biden team contacting uh, Twitter. I mean, that is uh, election interference, isn't it?
0: If Twitter is doing one team's bidding before an election, shutting down dissenting voices um, on a pivotal election, that is the very definition of election interference.
3: TO SUPPRESS THE HUNTER BIDEN REPORT, TWITTER EXECUTIVES MARKED IT AS UNSAFE, LIMITING ITS SPREAD, AND BLOCKED IT FROM BEING DIRECTLY SHARED VIA THE PLATFORM'S DIRECT MESSAGE FUNCTION. TAIBI NOTED THAT SUCH EXTREME RESTRICTIONS WERE RESERVED FOR CONTENT SUCH AS CHILD PORNOGRAPHY. MESSAGES BETWEEN TWITTER EXECUTIVES SHOW SOME CONFUSION, WITH ONE EXECUTIVE WRITING QUOTE, I'M STRUGGLING TO UNDERSTAND THE POLICY BASIS FOR MARKING THIS AS UNSAFE.
0: FRANKLY, TWITTER WAS ACTING. Like an arm of the Democratic National Committee. It was absurd.
3: For sharing the Biden laptop report, then White House Press Secretary Kaylee McEnany was locked out of her account. Musk commented on the media's response to the Twitter files. Well,
0: they're trying to turn it into a nothing burger because they were complicit in deceiving the American public.
3: Representative James Comer says the Twitter staff involved will face questioning. Here's Comer on Fox News. Every employee at Twitter who was involved in suppressing the Hunter Biden laptop story will have an opportunity to come before Congress and explain their actions to the American people. Musk wrote he had also seen a lot of concerning tweets about the recent Brazil election. He wrote, if those tweets are accurate, it's possible that Twitter personnel gave preference to left-wing candidates. Meanwhile, Donald Trump reacted to the Twitter files saying a massive fraud of this type and magnitude allows for the termination of all rules, regulations, and articles, even those found in the Constitution. Musk said a second episode of the Twitter files would be released soon. Daniel Monahan, NTD News.
1: And in the Twitter space meeting on Saturday, Musk also explained that social media companies like Twitter need software to run. And since this software is largely written in Silicon Valley, Musk says this essentially exports San Francisco's moral framework worldwide, which he says is problematic.
2: Musk also expressed that he wants Twitter to be as transparent and broadly inclusive as possible, and that when an account is suspended for it to be clear why, whether it's temporary, and how to restore it. He says he wants Twitter to be a force for good for the future of civilization. And Texas Governor Greg Abbott has just visited the University of Houston to tour the fentanyl vaccine lab. The university's researchers are making a potential breakthrough vaccine to fight fentanyl-related deaths. Here's more on that story.
4: The University of Houston is developing what Texas Governor Greg Abbott calls a game changer in the fight against fentanyl. The governor visited the university's Drug Discovery Institute lab to show support for the new fentanyl vaccine. Fentanyl is now the number one killer in America by people between the ages of 18 and 45. The DEA administrator said that fentanyl is the single deadliest drug threat our nation has ever encountered. Colin Hale is one of the leading researchers on the vaccine. He says if approved, this vaccine could build antibodies against fentanyl and block it from getting into the brain, which can help avoid overdose
3: deaths. There is a major problem with opioids in this country, overdose and opioid use disorder. Present treatments are not adequate, so we need a different strategy, a different
4: way of addressing this this problem. Researchers say the vaccine is intended for people with fentanyl addiction who are trying to recover or those who might be unexpectedly exposed with a drug like law enforcement. All of these strategies together can save hundreds if not thousands of lives just in the state of Texas on an annual basis alone. The governor also says he signed a new law to increase penalties for fentanyl distribution and is urging lawmakers to legalize home fentanyl test strips. NTD News, Texas.
1: The New York Times Workers' Union has given the company an ultimatum. Over 1,000 employees are threatening to walk out and strike for 24 hours if a new contract isn't completed by Thursday. Entity's Jeremy Sandberg has more on the union members' demands.
0: We want a fair deal, and we want it now. That's what the New York Times News Guild demanded in a statement posted on Twitter. They say the walkout pledge was not a decision they made lightly and that the New York Times is just a blank page without Guild members. The published pledge says wage offerings being presented do not account for record inflation or reflect the value of employees' work. Members threaten a 24-hour work stoppage if progress is not made at the bargaining table. They say if the bargaining committee calls for a stoppage, they will give the company roughly one week to resolve the matter and come to a final deal. Over 1,000 Guild members signed the pledge. Demands include wage increases, honouring health insurance and retirement benefit expectations, remote work flexibility, and reworking the performance evaluation system, which members perceive as biased. The Guild also submitted a letter to the company's top leaders, laying out members' concerns. They pointed out the media company has distributed hundreds of millions of dollars to shareholders and spent over half a billion dollars acquiring new businesses in 2022 while at the same time lecturing employees about the dire economic future the organization is facing. The newspaper bought Wordle and The Athletic this year. A spokesperson from The New York Times stated, While we are disappointed that the News Guild is threatening to strike, we are prepared to ensure the Times continues to serve our readers without disruption. We remain committed to working with the News Guild to reach a contract that we can all be proud of. The walkout will take place Thursday if a deal is not reached by then. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. It's been a week since a deadly
2: fire in Yorumchi, China killed more than 40 people. That's after COVID lockdown barriers prevented firefighters from putting out the fire. The tragedy ignited widespread protests in and outside the country. Now the Chinese Communist Party is seeking out demonstrators and arresting them. Meanwhile, people overseas continue to show their support. Free China!
5: the desire for freedom is hard to destroy more than 300 people gathered at carnegie mellon university in pittsburgh pennsylvania saturday in solidarity with protesters in china at penn state university around 50 students came together in a concert for democracy as a young generation the future is belong to us i know it's horrible it's scary but we have to stand up for ourselves you you don't have anyone else you gotta stand up for yourself and and trust me, you're not alone. There is people uh, out there want to, you know, fight for our liberty, fight for the people back at home. We are, we are we're all in this together. So, Free China! Free China! Free China! A student from Hong Kong says he has been waiting for this day for about three years, ever since the 2019 protests in Hong Kong. I'm really happy to see that people in China are finally having the courage to rise up, to stand against the Chinese Communist Party. And just like Hong Kongers did three years ago, so I hope to, uh, I hope to support them in their fight for freedom. And together, I believe we can bring down the Chinese Communist Party. Another protest in Boston saw a person from mainland China threatening to shoot the organizer of the event. He was arrested by police and later released. This was the fourth rally in a week in the Boston area, showing support for the white paper revolution and those protesting in mainland China. Hundreds in Canada gathered in Toronto and Montreal. In Montreal, a student from McGill University says he used to be pro-government. But after seeing what's been happening in China for the past few years, he's changed his mind. He said although he used to interfere or disrupt activities that supported the resistance in Hong Kong, he has since realized the evil of the Chinese Communist Party, or CCP, and is now standing on the right side. One organizer says the zero-COVID policy is not the only disaster created by the Chinese Communist Party. And if the Communist Party does not step down, there will be one disaster after another. She encourages all Chinese people to stand up and says only the Chinese people can overthrow the CCP.
1: I feel there's hope for the Chinese people, there's hope for China.
5: The protests for freedom continue in New York, Los Angeles, Sydney and other areas around the world.
2: Around 40 U.S. Senators sent a letter to the Chinese ambassador warning not to respond violently to peaceful protesters, or else in their words, there will be grave consequences for the U.S.-China relationship. And still to come, Russia has rejected the oil price cap from the West. It now says that they won't sell oil that's subject to a Western price cap, even if they have to cut production. And a huge holiday parade in the city of brotherly love celebrates a multitude of winter holidays. We hear from spectators and participants after the break. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Hogan. Turning now to U.S. defense hardware, the Pentagon has unveiled its newest stealth bomber. It's part of a step to modernize the country's nuclear arsenal and answer rising concerns over a future conflict with China. The B-21 Raider is the first new American bomber aircraft in over 30 years. The program is largely classified. The public got a sneak peek in a tightly controlled ceremony at the Air Force's plant in Palmdale, California. The rollout aids the United States' three-pronged nuclear strike capability from air, land, and sea, bombers, silos, and submarines. The U.S. is shifting from counterterrorism campaigns of recent decades to addressing China's rapidly modernizing military. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin says the B-21 isn't just another airplane, it's the embodiment of America's determination to defend the republic.
0: 50 years of advances in low
2: observable technology have gone into this aircraft. And even the most sophisticated air defense systems will struggle to detect the B-21 in the sky. Let's talk about the B-21's durability. You know, we really don't have a capability unless we can maintain it. And the B-21 is carefully designed to be the most maintainable bomber ever built. China is set to have 1,500 nuclear weapons by 2035, and the Pentagon says the Chinese regime poses the biggest threat to the U.S. and the international order given their gains in hypersonics, cyber warfare, and space capabilities. And Russia is rejecting a price cap on its oil and says it won't sell oil that is subject to a Western price cap, even if it has to cut production. The Russian Deputy Prime Minister said the price cap would trigger a supply shortage and destabilize global energy markets. According to him, the punishment is also a gross interference in free trade. The country is now working on mechanisms to prohibit the use of a price cap. The G7 nations, Australia, and the EU have agreed to cap the price at $60 per barrel. That means as of today, participating countries will only be allowed to buy seaborne crude that is sold at or below the price cap. European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen said that's to reduce Russia's ability to finance the war in Ukraine.
1: Heading now to Southeast Asia, an update on the latest eruption of Indonesia's highest volcano, searing clouds of gas and rivers of lava. That's what came out of Mount Semeru on Sunday. It's on the country's most densely populated island. Hundreds of residents had to flee to temporary shelters or safe areas. Luckily, no casualties were reported so far. Falling ash blanketed several villages and blocked out the sun. The columns of ash were blasted almost a mile high, and lava flowed down the mountainside toward a nearby river. Scientists raised the alert for the volcano to its highest level.
2: With music and laughter, a huge holiday parade rolled through Philadelphia for a second year. The city celebrates multiple holidays, all in one parade. Let's take a look. It's a wonderful time of the year to be in Philadelphia. Thousands lined the downtown streets Saturday to attend the Visit Philly Holiday Parade. The event made its debut last year, attracting visitors from all over the country.
3: We're very big fans of
5: the
0: parade. The music is wonderful, the dancing is wonderful, it's great. I love it, I was here last year, it was very nice. parade's great, you know, second second parade, you know, they had one last year, it was great, so I came out again for this one, so, great.
2: The parade marked all winter holidays, including Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, and the Chinese New Year. Bands, balloons, and dazzling floats added to the festivities, despite the evening showers.
3: This was a lot of fun. It was great to see the Christmas spirit out and the weather is wonderful and it's so great to see everyone out in the street and uh, doing some shopping and exploring some historic sites. And we're just really enjoying our time uh, out in the city tonight.
2: Among the audience were Elaine Ficarra, Miss Independence 2022, and Tolawanami Olalea, winner of this year's Miss Philadelphia's Outstanding Team.
6: Well, I'm so honored
1: to be here at the Visit Philadelphia Holiday Parade, and I'm here with our wonderful Miss Philadelphia's Outstanding Team. I'm a Miss Independence, and it's an honor to represent Philadelphia and to serve
6: the community. I feel great to be here, even though the rain tried to dampen the parade, literally. Yes. You know, it's good to be here with my sister Queens and just to celebrate the holidays with everyone.
2: We asked the audience what they wished for the new year.
0: I'm a big sports guy, so, you know, go Eagles.
6: My
1: New Year's wish would be that everyone could stay safe and healthy from this flu and the cold and that we can move forward, no longer COVID. For New Year's
2: wish, oh, I hope next year is not anything like 2021 or 2022 is. (laughs) I would hope that everybody calms down a little bit and relaxes a little bit. Yes, definitely. A total of 10 marching units made up the event, with young performers from Downingtown High School, Baloo High School, and artists from the Fallandafa Marching Band and Waist Drum Troupe presenting their traditional music show.
5: This is actually our second time coming here, and uh, we are fallen Dafa, and we are a traditional peaceful meditation group. We come here because we want to tell people the beauty and the peacefulness of Dafa as the generation gets younger. There are a lot of, unfortunately, bad influences in the society, and I think it's important for uh, the younger generation to have authenticity as well as beauty, kindness and tolerance uh, in their lives as a guiding principle in their upbringing.
2: The parade kicked off at 5 o'clock in the afternoon, proceeding down Market Street to the City Hall. NTD News, Philadelphia.
1: Next, a man who decided not to give up on life after a devastating diagnosis. He now helps others to become the best versions of themselves. We have his story after the break. Welcome back, I'm Evelyn Lee. We continue the program with an astonishing story. Chris Freer is the founder of Upbeat Life. He helps people change their outlook on life. But just a few years ago, a diagnosis devastated his own multiple sclerosis. I spoke to him and he recalled that moment for us.
6: That time, uh, I uh, I have always been a businessman and and I was working. I had... uh, Four pubs, they're public houses, places where people go and drink. And I had a couple of clubs on the go as well, so it was a it was a huge shock for me, and anxiety crept into my life quite a bit. You know, my my first wife uh, and the mother of my children. And I have four amazing kids, you know, um, but but my first wife was was really not happy with the diagnosis that I'd received, and and unbeknownst to me. And this happens to a lot of people diagnosed with these kind of conditions. She started to plan her exit strategy from the marriage. Um, I, I was I was getting what and the disease was progressing quite rapidly for me. Um, and we got to two thousand and seven, and and divorce papers had been served on me. Um, and I kind of felt that there was there was nothing to live for anymore. I thought the world would be better without me my chosen method of departure, if you like, was I was going to hurl myself underneath a lorry. And for some unknown reason, uh, I connected eyes with the lorry driver. And I suddenly thought to him, about him, and I thought, what is this action that I'm about to do? What effect is it going to have on him? How is he going to change his life? And I hesitated. Uh, And and fortunately, I bounced off the side of his vehicle. Um, But... That started a thought process for me because I thought, why did I have compassion for him? And I'd never really had any compassion for myself. I hadn't spared a thought for my children or or any other people that know me and and how it would have affected them. And it it started this opportunity for change for me. You know, I could build a new life. That's
1: really interesting because... In that kind of despair, the first thought you had was for the other person and was to find compassion for the other person. How did that, because fast forward now, you you seem healthy, you said you haven't been in your wheelchair for, for a long time. How did that shift to finding compassion for yourself as well? And you know, how were you able to stay this healthy?
6: It- it started a process for me uh, and, and in a way I need to skip forward a little bit because 2008 has come and, and my neurologist, because the illness had, was progressing really quickly for me, he'd ordered what is called an enhanced MRI scan. But 2010 came and a, an amazing thing happened for me. A, a, a new lady came into my life, you know, and I realised that there was someone that was prepared to love me. Um, and I'm now proud to say that she's my my wife um, and we are very happy together. but but it was change. i I started to look, although I was in a wheelchair, but I, I it wasn't something that I wanted. i I wanted change and I wanted to start to find positive messages around this condition. and they are out there. You know, you have an amazing uh, person in, in America called Dr. Sarah Stanzik, who's a, a, who's a person, a lady with, with multiple cirrhosis like myself, and she's taken control. Um, and I wanted to, in a way, mimic what they were doing. You know, I wanted to do the things that they were doing to keep themselves healthy. So I changed my diet. I started to look at the movement that I could do, and changed my mindset as well and, and and I found that I felt as if I was taking control of the condition instead of it ruling me, I was beginning to rule it.
1: It somehow sounds
6: so easy, but was it no 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 i I, I do get told off by people for making it, so it no none of this has been easy I mean my journey, and and it, and I still do fall over. I still do struggle. I still have days when things are not working as well as they should do. None of this has been easy, but the but the big bit is I've never given up. I've I've never given up, and I won't give up.
1: Wow! And now you also want to go beyond that and help other people deal with their disability. So what is it? that you think you can give them?
6: I want to um, encourage other people to realize that they have so much more control around their health than they believe that they have. You know, we, we have one major um, strength, if you like, in, in human beings. We have choice. We have that ability to choose and we can choose what we are consuming, you know? So that's the strong message that I'm, I'm, I'm trying to put out there. Yeah, And I'm sure this happens in America as well, is that whenever there's a an article, a news article around multiple cirrhosis, it's always prefixed with people suffering with, yeah? I want to change that word. I want to change that word. I want people to think, you know, people living with, people affected by, you know, because you can live with these conditions and we we have a huge amount of chronic illness happening in modern society now. We can live with it and we can control it. I truly believe that. I was going to say via diet, exercise and what we think, and, and it's, it's all about the choices that we make, the choices that we make, we must choose to take control.
1: Hmm. On that note, we will have to end it here, but thank you so much. I found this, what you had to say was very empowering, and I'm sorry that all of this happened to you, but at the same time, you know, all of this wisdom came out from this hardship that you had. So, well, just thank you for sharing this with us. I appreciate it.
6: Thank you. you very much for your time. Thank you so much. Thank you.
1: He says that after he started to take control of his life, he needed the wheelchair less and less, and that's despite the doctors telling him that there would be no way around that.
2: Wow, what a story. And you know, when it is inspiring that Compassion was able to help him pull out of it.
1: Yeah, I absolutely agree. I, I found it astounding that the first thought he has was of the other person, and I generally just have so much respect for that kind of willpower, I can't imagine. Yeah. Well, we're ending the program on that note. Don't forget to write us at goodmorning at NTD.com. Thanks for watching. I'm Evelyn Lee.
2: And I'm Kevin Hogan.